guys, it's uh, D-Roy Everett and Adam Beasley from the Death Piles and Taxes podcast that you're listening to right now. Your favorite account, I know. It's the greatest thing in the whole world. A lot of you have been asking what you can do to help the podcast out, and seriously, all we want is a review. Yeah. Hopefully it's a five-star review, but if not, be fair, uh, at least a four. We know you're listening. Like I said, we see the numbers. We're all over the world. Like I said, it's just we see it. We appreciate everyone listening. Help us get a little higher up there. Help us uh, get more new help listeners. The algorithms, people can help find us out, and it really does help. So if you can go to Apple iTunes, that's where a lot of you are already listening or, or wherever you're listening. Spotify, Apple, you know, all of these different things. They're all out. Wherever you listen, give us a – you don't even have to write a review. Just give us five stars. If you want to give us a review, that's cool too. We appreciate it. And keep listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Roy, it is tax time on the Death Files and Taxes podcast. I don't have to schedule an appointment to get in here to do a podcast. It is episode number 122 of Death Files and Taxes. We have got some great stuff happening tonight. It's exciting. Uh, got a cool guest coming in. Uh, excited to talk with them. Uh, I guess I always act like it's a secret, but I always put it up in the header so everyone knows who's coming on anyway. So yeah, we'll we'll throw that in in the second half. We've got the man from uh, the boogers. We got the big booger. I I don't know what to call him. The ticket, the ticket man. He's the guy that started it. Cool story. You have to catch out why it's called boogers. I, I really liked it. It was intriguing to me. Well, we have him coming up in the second half, and uh, now everyone's fast forward in the second half, Adam. So no. you got to get some action. Keep them entertained. Keep the people here. Give them what they wanted. You said something about stories. Like I said, this is your podcast for learning about making money online, whether it's cards, whether it's tickets, whether it's crazy stuff from the DI, whether it's NFTs. We're going to make you money left and right. Old Barbie doll uh, clothes. Clothing, that's yes. McDonald trays from the seventies. You know, women's purses. We do it all. We we, we make the money and we Adam. Measure. You said you had a lot going. You said you had some stuff. You're bringing the heat. You're bringing oh, the action. Boy. You said something in the interview that really triggered my mind. So you're gonna have to listen to the interview. But had a client here last night. We've been friends for a long time, and come to find out, he and his brother used to have a card store in the back of a place in Fillmore back in the early 90s. That must have been the cool thing to do. Apparently we didn't have that, but he told me he is sitting on three, count them three, legit 1986 Flair Michael Jordan cards. He's not this kid that was online the other day that I was going to bring up, was he? I, I don't know. There's this guy online the other day, and uh, it's in these Facebook marketplace groups, right? I doubt it's him. you got to be careful about this because... Uh, me and Adam met with a, met up with the meth head uh, a few months back. It's probably a year ago. It's over a over a year ago. That's how time's flying when we're having a good time. But anyways, this is kind of a similar story. I saw this guy had you know several Michael Jordan rookies that he's selling off for like twenty bucks or something crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, well, these are obviously reprinted fakes, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I said, you got you got five Michael Jordan rookie cards, and you don't know if they're fake or not. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I have no idea. And I said, well, where did you get them? I got them from my grandpa. I said, your grandpa had five Michael Jordan rookie cards. 
you got them, and you're selling them for 20 bucks a piece. Well, I, I don't know. So I'm hoping this wasn't from Fillmore, and I, I've uh, just insulted one of your clients. I can promise you it was not. Uh, we got talking about stuff. He saw the cards, and he, uh, he dropped the bomb. He says, I've got three Jordans, and we were looking them up. He says, oh. one has a severe crease. And I says, you know, that's, that's all right. He, I, the other two were guessing maybe it would be PSA 5s. So I told him, I said, you get those cards, you get them to me, and I will submit them for you. Man, I was going to make a cash offer, sight unseen. You call him up right now, you tell him I'll give him $100, sight unseen, as is, cash offer, that stands. I already tried it. So you that stands. <laughs> Why do you have to look it up with him? You should have said, I got a buddy, he'd be interested. Now, well, with I'm, a crease in there, I don't know. Mike Michael Jordan had a pretty good career, and cards are coming back a little bit, but PSA just raised their prices. If you've been on the internet at all or on Facebook, I know all of our listeners know, PSA's prices went through the roof. The world it's is gonna be over. A, it's going to be a year or so before we get these back. I'll take them off your hand. Okay, okay, I'll do 150 a card. Yeah, 150 a card. What do you say? There's a reason that you and your brother like to go to car lots just to haggle with people because you guys are good at, uh, you know, Finagling what you want and what you need. Uh, Jimmy Cheapy Pants uh, requested I bring in the shark. We'll see. I think we should. He's a tough one to get. He, he is a tough one to get. And I don't know how how well it would come across on the radio. He's a little, uh, uh, I don't know, he doesn't talk like you talk. He doesn't talk like I talk, which is a, probably a compliment to him. It's it's like that uncomfortable silentness that just makes it him get good offers, I guess. Speaking of uh, Jimmy Cheapy Pants... Um, my, my, have you talked to your father-in-law lately? Uh, yes. My, my dad might have said something to try to stir the pot. Oh, and, no. And uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Oh, he was claiming an original Jimmy Cheapy pants that gets talked about on the podcast a lot. And I said, "What, I, what do you do at that point?" <laughs> my father-in-law is not Jimmy Cheapy pants. That is not true. He does not fit any of the bo- well, maybe, but. <laughs> Jimmy Cheapy Pants is another friend who um, has had his second eBay sell in the last week. Uh, he's doing he's doing good. So so this friend, okay, so he has these three Jordans. Sorry, I took you off track there. So you, always, gonna, you always do. He's going to get them graded with you. And uh, what else does he got? Well, that's what I, I told him. I'm like, what else you got? And he says, well, I got some other stuff. I said, well, when are we coming to Fillmore to come check it out? Because Road trip. We, we like to drive. Well, that sounds like it. I, I mean... These people and the stuff that they had, that's what I'm telling you, there's these little stores that people had open for the kids to keep them busy. Just like the legend, you know? We didn't know that. He had a card store. The legend, that was another, that's not, that's, uh, you're, you're confusing people. Well, the legend oh, is still with us. No, not, well, I know, but the legend, but your friend who passed had a Yes, card. yes. Yeah, exactly. So, that might have been the thing to do, and there, that's what I'm saying. There's all these places around the country, whether it was cards, G.I. Joe's, um, you know, collectible things, things to resell that people want their kids to get uh, entrepreneurial spirit to earn some money. Like you have your kids do little jobs. Uh, I was going to compliment you on how straight those lines are now that I can see them out in that parking lot. Almost uh, killed you, but that was good. That, that was me. I painted my own parking lots in my own parking lot because I couldn't wait any longer. But you have your kids sometimes take money, have people park. I'm thinking some oh, of these yeah. people had their kids just run stores just to keep them, teach them how how it happens. So for sure, there's places all around this country that Derek needs to get into where people have this kind of thing. And I mean, obviously they're not going to sell me the Jordan for for 150, but 
Maybe I can get it cheaper than what they're going for. Sixty-five. I mean, twist my arm. I'll, I'll write a check now or Venmo. Yeah. What do you prefer? Write a check. I got a checkbook. I'm not afraid to use it. I, clean, cold cash is how I like to deal. Remember, we've talked about this Venmo thing. I mean, how long do I have to tell it to you? Cash is king. Uh, I'll take the Venmo. I, I guess I know. Instant. It's instant. That's true, but so is cash. Yeah, but have you ever seen a forged uh, Venmo transaction? I don't know. I had some guy trying to give me a, a $50 bill at the yard sale earlier this year that was... You, uh, you did say it, that. It was crooked as a fence. You, you did say that. So, no, that's kind of a... You brought it up, and, and it was definitely interesting. Man, we got some good tax stuff coming. I mean, right now, uh, right now, it's still refund season. People who are filing taxes get refunds. So, here's the rule, people. If you file in February or March, you're guaranteed to get a refund. Because if you owe money, nobody files in March to get all excited to pay their money to the IRS. Yeah, it's always it's always something. Um, I've actually been down in the basement crunching the mileage, trying to figure out. I go through GoDaddy, and then I try to backtrack to where I went and get mileage going, which I should be doing as I go. I understand this. Uh, but, man, it, it's just crazy. And, and the people at work that have several kids and don't have businesses and things, they can't file fast enough no, to get no, that money going. They, they get that money. They, they just... They're not diversified like you. Like you've got more than one uh, iron in the fire. You got several. Things you got to have a few, a few pokers out there, Adam. But let's talk real fast about. I mean, we do, we do touch on it, but everyone wants to know uh, deductions. Kind of just the give them the basic rundown. They've just started this year selling. They don't know what to do. They can go listen to the archives if they want in detail. But what are some of your basic deductions and things you need to be paying attention to? The the quick and dirty, the easy things is like you said. Mileage is always number one. Um, see how much you drove. The other one, it's really interesting. When you get these 1099Ks, we brought it up, um, a lot of times fees are not included or they're excluded. It might say 50000 but you only got 43000 It's because there's $7,000 in fees, and you need to go off of what's on the K-1. That's what's reported to the IRS. So you want to make sure that you know exactly how much you're paying in fees. And I know people call it Feebay or Amazon takes all these things, but you can't get to an audience that's that big. You also want to look at your processing fees. Those are your biggest expenses, okay? Um, the other ones, like I said, meals and entertainment. We, we just brought it up. I mean, that's the whole benefit of doing this is you get a write-off stuff that you don't get to do if you're just a W-2 employee. So what, what constitutes a meal? I'm, I'm going out. I'm going to go up to Savers. I'm going to swing by venue sports cards, visit Phil. Uh, I stop and grab something to eat. Where's the line on that kind of thing? Is it ordinary and is it necessary? That's really what it is. If you have an online business, if you're selling things and you make money, it's expected that you can eat. Okay. And I always look at it. I try to do more of a percentage because everybody can say, well, I eat out all the time or I never eat out. Um, I usually try and like, like I said, have a percentage of like what your sales are and say, it would be realistic to say that you could legitimately spend $100 or $400 a month on meals eating out, whether you made you know, $10,000 or $150,000. That's kind of what I say, but just like you're saying, is it ordinary, is it necessary, and was it business purposes? And say we end up in, like, let's just say Phoenix, I don't know. Uh, maybe we're going to watch our, our boy Pelly do some softball lumping, and we decide to go catch a Coyotes game, or maybe the Cardinals are in town, or... We just get a group of guys together and go watch a movie. Where's the entertainment purpose on this kind of thing, or, or how's that work? Like I said, if you're making money, then 
that's part of the tax purpose. And we've just talked with, with Mr. Boogers about uh, tickets, ticket stubs, you know, same thing. Signed autograph, jerseys. Like I said, if you are making money, you can write that off. Okay? But if you think that, oh, I, I sold $500 worth of stuff on eBay, but I'm going to write off $5,000 of expenses to go visit all my kids. No, that's just, it's just not going to happen. It has to be realistic in order for you to actually be able to write it off. Maybe Willie Nelson was in town and, and you're there and you, you went out to have a good dinner went and saw Willie. Who knows? Hey, get, get some Willie, get your Colorado brownie, whatever you got to do to be in the mood. Well, that's good information, Adam. I know you're a king of Colorado brownies. That's right. Special recipes that you can't get anywhere else from what you tell me. No. There's, but, like I said, but keeping track of it, and like I said, and being understanding, realistic, that if you were to look at this, it's not a hobby, okay? It's a business. That's what you're treating that because you can't, you know, it has to be realistic. You can't get the expectation because that's what a lot of people do. They say, oh, well, I lost all this money. No, no, you didn't. There also are other requirements that you're supposed to be maternally participating. That just means that you spent enough time on it to be a real business that you can take a loss. But don't take a loss. Like, that's not the whole reason people are always like, oh, I'm going to start a business so I can lose money. No, no. That makes some, that, no sense. Makes no sense. If that's what you want to do, you can send it here to Adam Upper County, 78 East, 100 South, facing Utah, and we will take care of that for you. I'll go buy lottery tickets, and we'll split it if we ever win, but you're funded. That's right. You're, you're going to take care of it. No, so, I mean, the thing is, like I'm saying, you get you a good accountant, whether it's him or somebody else that understands what you're doing. You want to be able to track it down. I use GoDaddy. He has QuickBooks. Or you just have you a, a pen and paper, right? Google Sheets. Like I said, keep track of it somewhere. The thing that amazes me every year is mileage. Yeah. It's right now, I think it's 57 and a half cents a mile. Something stupid. Think about that. You're going around for a yard sale. You go 10 miles. Or, or you drive to the thrift store and back. Or you have to go drop off your mailer back. Five bucks right there. That's it, add, it adds up. Fast. So... Uh, you might be thinking, well, I don't have anything to deduct or whatever. You're using a computer. Most likely, you're using your cell phone. You're Absolutely. using the Internet. Yep. You're driving around. Um, it is maybe, you're, yeah, you're not making $100,000 a year, but you're still doing the work. Or you're out searching for these tickets, right? You're using the Internet. You're on Booger's Group. You're doing the research. There's there's ways to do it. Get you a good, uh, get you a good tax man. You want a good attorney. A good mechanic and a good tax man in life. There's uh, words of wisdom right there from D-Roy. Those are excellent things. I do my uh, a mechanic. I do his taxes. It's a great relationship. Probably the best one I have out of all of my clients. I love my clients, but my mechanic, Bri, he's awesome here. Patient Auto, shout out to him. He's amazing. I, I don't even have to ask. Like I know when, when you come in and I do your taxes, it's not like you're like, well, what do you mean that's what it's going to be? Like, we just have an established relationship. You know what it is. He'll try and explain everything to me. I'm like, Brian, I don't care. Just make it run. And I got a mechanic who uh, has a forklift out in a field out in the, the <laughs> southwest here, and uh, he, uh, he specializes in Priuses, so I found my man. Well, speaking of that, I didn't want to bring it up, but, man, I have got this car sitting at house number two that has just collected dust. Hey, I got a few people that were interested. Maybe tomorrow I can get rid of it. We got tax money coming in, so... It's a it's a clean one owner. Well, it's been a few owners, and it's got some things, but no no check engine light. I just put a new coil. I put a Cadillac converter, spark plugs. She's ready for a new home. She is her ready forever to, home. And so. Ready to go. So if you're in need of a hot 
Prius. It's probably gone by the time you hear this. It, it probably. I hope it is because it's sitting in the driveway at house number two. It's uh, it's making the house number two more secure. People are like, oh, somebody's there. That's true. I do like. I should it. be charging. This. <laughs> you weasel! Like you just backwards way you're into it that I'm storing your car, but you're charging me for it. Hey man, we got an awesome interview coming up. Uh, but eBay sales, man, they have been hot. Red hot. I've been hot too, man. I, I can't believe it. Every day I'm waiting for it to uh, slow down. But, I mean, it's it's consistent. And uh, for those of you that don't know or aren't doing the ticket thing, PSA, who we talked about grading and stuff, just raised their prices. Apparently they have over 10 million cards at them right now on waiting to be graded. Shut up. So they just doubled their prices. Times 10. And, uh, minimum to 15. It, it's crazy. So It's like $150 million of revenue. Just sitting there. That's just wow. sitting waiting to get graded. I, I, got a, I got a box together and sent it off right before the deadline. There was rumors that prices were going up. But, I mean, graded cards right now, Adam was just showing me, there's cards that you can pick up on uh, eBay or Macari right now that cost less than it costed the people to grade them or would cost less than currently. So... That's my, my bolo of the week is uh, look into that of picking up already graded cards. They're probably not going to be 10s, but if you can get something in the 8 to 9 realm of uh, some rookie cards or, or something like that. What do you mean by 8 to 9? Well, I'm not sure what you're saying. Oh, uh, when you're talking about your, your grade subject, right? So we're on a scale from, from 1 to 10. Um, I meant to bring this up in the interview. With, with tickets, it's weird. I don't think the grade really matters as much as the population. With cards, of course, a 10 uh, Jerry Rice rookie is going to be you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but if you can get a an eight or a nine Jerry Rice rookie for a few hundred dollars, with the with the demand that's coming in and the prices going up, I think you could flip that for a, for a very fair price here in a matter of months. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to make money. That's what the whole concept of this is. Is I wasn't doing much of it. Like I said, it all started with thrift stuff because it's really fun. It's, it is. It's part of that treasure hunt, and I, I can't wait to go back to do it again. Right now, it's just. It's still very difficult. Well, and that's that's really a new trend. These uh, they're not millennials. It's like the, the generation after that. They're really thrift heavy, and they're they're uh, specializing stores. We've talked about thrift a little bit, but this is like a trend where they're they're going to thrift stores. They're buying uh, this vintage clothing stuff, mean you wore in the '90s or you know went to school in the '80s, and they're reselling it at like boutique stores for you know above eBay prices. So yeah. it, it's hot right now. If you're in clothing. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like listing it, all the details and stuff you have to put in. We always say go to our friends over at uh, uh, Sellhound yeah. and list it fast. Or with your cards, man. It's just there's a lot of opportunity right now. It's unlike we've seen with e-commerce. Like, Just pick something and figure out what you like. You're probably going to find a way to make some pretty good money at it. I'm going to throw this out there because, like I said, we kind of, you know, we get into things. I'm not sure if you noticed my new newly graded card that's over there. Did you see it last week? I no. Next to the Zion Williamson, can you can you tell from there who it is? Now you're gonna have to get my to, you're gonna get my spectacles out. You have to get up and check that one out. Oh, that's Merle Haggard. That is Merle Haggard. That's the Hag. We pledge allegiance to the Hag. That's right. I've been getting into uh, country music star cards. <laughs> see, that's uh, you never know. Like, oh no, I know. Adam's sitting on a small fortune because he. Uh, he has the hag. I've got a couple nice Willie Nelson cards over there. I just feel like it's, there's, it, it's going to explode. All these things, if you if you listen to the podcast from the very beginning, we talked about the Michael Jordans before Michael Jordans got hot. We talked about Tiger Woods before it got hot, and 
who knows what's going to happen now that he, uh, you know, had this pretty bad accident this last week. I, I don't know if Tiger will ever golf again. Who I, knows? I don't know if he's. Oh man, I just thought of something. Do you want to share it with our listeners? What about Tiger Woods tickets for golfing events that he's been in? Do they give out tickets for Augusta? They do. So? I, I went to. Uh, when I went, I saw Tiger Woods play in the PGA Championship in you got, Tulsa. You got Oklahoma. your tickets still? Oh, you dang skippy! You better get that graded. He won. He won his thirteenth uh, major at that event. So you got a Tiger Woods ticket from a major that he won. I do. You need to get that in the backlog of the uh, ten million uh, cards. Way to go, man! Way to go, me! The good thing about cards, and, and we were talking with Boogers coming up uh, with Patrick, uh, uh, the founder of Boogers. Uh, we've talked about them before on the podcast, but. The good thing about cards is the population, it is a little more niche. So if you do send in your uh, tickets to get them graded, they kind of go in a faster lane, and you'll, you get them back faster. Yeah, they don't take quite as long. So, man, so, now I want to look up these Tiger Woods tickets. Nobody look for Tiger Woods tickets. <laughs> Let me do it first. Adam, this doesn't get posted for like, you got, you got like a four-day window here to hit it really hard. If you're thinking about... Posting some Tiger Woods tickets. Just send me an email. Send me a message. AdamUpAccounting.com. I will pay you good price. We can, you know. We know a guy that has three Michael Jordan rookie cards. Maybe we can work something out. One has one has a crease in it. I'm willing to give you hundred dollars cash money. No questions asked. I'll Venmo. Adam will will uh, we'll, uh, send you cash, or I'll write you a check. Either way, we can make it work. But yes, there's some good things going. Man, I just that just happened on the fly. Well, here's the thing, like. Like, regardless of what you're into, um, like Adam just said right there, there's there's a niche. I mean, there's collectible DVDs. There's just so many, like, so many avenues that you can go down. So if uh, you got an interest at all, a scratch in the world, you can probably, right now is the time to get into it. Timestamp this. This is like March 2nd, 2021. You are going to see the day when these Tiger Wood tickets... It's going to be insane. It's going to be his next crazy rollover that uh, he may or may not survive. I mean, Tiger's had some scandals. I, I did have I, one of the favorite things is back in the uh, I, I don't know. I had a cousin when they would do these uh, you know part like Halloween parties. Her and her husband dressed up as Tiger Woods and, and his uh, his first wife. And uh, he brought a golf club. She brought a golf club. Kind of insinuating some ch- ch- Chase him around yeah, the whole night. It was pretty, uh, at the time, it was pretty enjoyable. Pretty right? timely. It was kind of a Michael Scott uh, Halloween costume. But there, now it like. probably would have gotten canceled culture, just like Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss was canceled. Like, that was his own company. No, are you You didn't hear it today? No, I heard it. Dr. Seuss's company is the ones that decided to not yes, do that. Yes, they're, they're canceling Dr. Thinking, Seuss's books. Well, no, it's Dr. Seuss's company. Yeah, they're canceling books. They're they made the decision themselves. Well, I understand. They're that. not publishing books. But that's what I'm saying. They're, they get canceled. They're they're deciding themselves. You're thinking of Yeti coolers. No, they're canceling themselves. You're thinking of Keurig and Yeti coolers. No, no, I'm thinking about the six Dr. Seuss books that are no longer able to be. That uh, they're not publishing anymore. Yeah. Because Dr. Seuss's people decided they weren't going to do it. I don't know where you're trying to go with this. I'm just saying if you well, I'm saying it's Dr. not people. Seuss stuff. I'm saying people didn't make them cancel. I'm saying that the Dr. Seuss company decided they weren't going to do it anymore. I'm guessing there's people inside of the company that says, we can't do this anymore. Well, that's who made the decision. Well, I know. They're canceling themselves. Okay. Well, that's not cancel culture, then. Culture didn't tell them to cancel. They decided to cancel it themselves. Man, you're going down this hard rabbit hole, aren't you? I'm guessing that there's some real push inside of the company. Yeah, because the company made the decision to not do it. Oh, oh, because they had to. Because, because of, of who? I This whole... 
man, where are we going with this? You're thinking Yeti coolers and Keurig. I'm not thinking Yeti coolers or Keurig. I don't even, I, isn't that like the little, like, coffee pot thing? We're going down a rabbit hole, Adam. <laughs> Dr. Seuss books are hot. All I'm saying is if you've got some Dr. Seuss books, and there's certain ones, they're going for two, three, four hundred dollars on the interwebs right now. So regardless get of why your, they're hot. Get to your thrift stores. We, we don't talk, well, until we don't ask. Like I said, I don't, I don't care why people are paying absorbent amount for some things. I just hope they buy it for me. Don't ask, don't tell. That, that used to be the, not anymore though. <laughs> so, D-Roy, what, uh, what do you got hot this week? I know you've been talking about cards. I know you've been doing this, but what, what's your advice? What are you going to tell people to do this week so that we get some more action? Uh, list your stuff. I mean, we, we say it all the time. If you don't sell things, your store's not going, you're probably not listing so you got a death pile, that's why you're listening to death piles and taxes, or you're getting back into it, or you're trying to get your cards going. Just start listing stuff, and um, it'll, it'll go. I mean, that's that's the secret sauce right there. We always say, Granny always said, you can't sell out of an empty wagon. That means if you don't have stuff in your store, you can't you can't sell. The crazy part is, like, I don't have, I have hardly anything in my store, just because I don't have that many items, because I really have gotten into the uh, graded stuff. But even, you know, I'll get... You know, 13, 14, 16, or whatever, and I'll sell stuff. And look for offers. I mean, sending offers, we always talk about as being, you know, you get that opportunity. Um, see what you can send out. If you send offers, my uh, success rate on sending offers has been pretty good as well. So, I mean, you just got to be active in your store, be active, you know, listing things, watching things, um, taking offers, making offers. You can't just, I mean, I say list it and forget it, but you can't really set it and forget it. You have to be kind of active and pay attention to what's going on. Uh, you know, when you ship your stuff, do it quick, quick, uh, package it like you want to receive it, all the basics. Yeah, it's like if you want to sell money online, there's plenty of ways to do it. There's plenty of different items to do it. I'm surprised you didn't go potato head on me. That's where I thought you were going. No, no, I wasn't going that far with it. But they, that was they, two days ago. They changed their mind real fast. That was just a quick fat, which... Yeah. I'll go to the. I watched a really interesting documentary type thing. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube called Company Man. If you haven't seen it, it will definitely. It's intriguing. Type thing. That's what's got me worried right now. No. So he 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 talked the very specifics about uh, Beanie Babies, and Beanie Babies were the ultimate short run drive up uh, that was what started eBay I mean that was the big that's what brought eBay to the table yeah so this guy he spends this has got me your NFT's got me thinking a lot about Beanie Babies with some of this stuff yeah so he he, like I said he, the, the company man he talks about all these different how Kmart went bankrupt and how big you know Procter & Gamble is and, and all of these different you know how Little Caesar is really really cool really interesting you know my 10 year old kid is like it's right up his alley I mean if I had the same thing, I would spend hours and hours and hours listening to it um, whenever, you know, I had the free chance to do it. But it talked about Beanie Babies and how he created the demand because he had this ultimate blue-colored peanut, which was an elephant, and they decided to change color, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, the, the first one is so valuable because there's such a small run of it. And that's continually what he did. Is he, he pushed up the back. Homeboy was it worth, I think, $6 billion at some point selling Beanie Babies. Now I hope he saved them. I hope he saved that money. I hope he saved it, too. But that, that was kind of, like you're saying, that's kind of how eBay really kind of got started. But it was scarcity. They would, they would 
say something's going to happen, they would cancel it, and then they'd bring it back, kind of like, you know, all of these... I'm hoping you can say the same thing about D-Roy Everett and wrestling cards here in about three years. It's like, Homeboy was worth several million off wrestling cards, and then he disappeared. We think he's in the island somewhere. No one knows for sure. He's just done. I, I hope that is the case, because it's just intriguing what people will spend money on, and, and a lot of it's like nostalgia, or, or for some reason, I don't know why they want it, but I don't really care. I want to sell it to them. Don't know why they do what they do. We're just glad that they do. And uh, one of the things we're getting into is tickets, Adam. We got our boy Patrick over there at uh, Boogers ready to go. Yeah, check it out. Good uh, good interview. We appreciate it. Have a great week. We appreciate all the new listeners. Like I said, D-Roy, I don't know what you're doing with the funky machine, but we are getting new listeners every single week. Help us out, guys. Go on there. Do a review for us. Like I said, it, it increases our algorithm. Um, we want more people to hear what D-Roy's dishing. I mean, you give us the, the go over to Apple. That's the big one. I know a lot of everyone's on Apple, but you know somebody that is, steal their phone, give us five stars and review. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, it's taxes of death piles and taxes. It is that time of year. We're going to have to do something. Uncle Sam wants his money. Well, who doesn't want their money? Well... He's got a lot of it, but we all got to put it in the system. That's the country we live in. So need to file your taxes. Got questions. You want to know more because you're a reseller. It is a little more difficult than it is, especially if it's your first year. You're getting into it. You're going to get these 1099Ks. You get information that you don't know what to do with. And we don't want you to pay any more than you have to. So reach out to us here at Adam Up Accounting. You can go to our website. You can check us out on social media. Um, we'd love to help you out. Like I said, we know the resale game. We're here to make sure that you pay your fair share, but don't go back to jail. Adam, our friends over at Cellhound have outdone themselves. They're giving the Death Piles and Taxes listeners an opportunity of a lifetime. They're, they're going to help us make some money, get rid of that death pile, get your items listed because you can't sell out of an empty wagon. Man, so... All that you got, kill that death pile. When you go over to Sell Hound, use promo code, capital letters, death piles 25 to save 25% off of their service. And, and get out there and start making some money. All right, everybody. Death piles and taxes. I know you've all been waiting. We've got a special guest, don't we, D-Roy? We do. We got a uh, one, of, one of a kind, an original, and uh, lucky to have scored him. We got Patrick Powell with us, Adam. Who is Patrick Powell? He's got something called boogers. I it's intrigued me for years that I've known about it. So, Patrick, thanks to the uh, podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Hey, hi everybody. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I started um, Boogers Ticket Stubs Facebook group um, after the passing of my father about five so years ago, and uh, he was a former Air Force vet. His nickname was Booger, which was actually from the character from uh, Revenge of the Nerds movie. So he carried that his whole life. There's people even in his job that didn't even know his real name. <laughs> there goes question number one. I think everyone's number one question is why is it called Boogers when you're when you're dealing with tickets? So <laughs> check that one off the list. Yep, yep. I, I basically had. I'm in so many different Facebook groups and between collecting autographs and cards and all kinds of things, tickets was something I saw pop up and I would collect tickets every now and then, but um, I just didn't see a group out there. So I wanted to start something. 
So how long's the group been going? You say about five years? Um maybe a little less than that. Maybe maybe about three or four or so. Yeah. So this is the coolest thing. Like I said, if you don't know what we're talking about, like I said, we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, Derek kind of stumbled across this Facebook group, and it's collecting vintage tickets or any kind of tickets. And it's that, like your group has got some really cool stuff. You've kind of got some guys, and, and they kind of trade with each other and all sell. Is that is that right? Yeah, there's all kinds of collectors in there. I mean, normally people, when they think of ticket collecting, they think of vintage, and they're thinking about Mickey Mantle years and things like that. But vintage nowadays, with most people going to digital e-tickets, you're looking at tickets from the 90s and 2000s are still technically vintage. Um, it's getting harder for anyone to collect tickets nowadays because of all the electronic stuff. Now, just kind of looking at your tickets, you have got some pretty sweet stuff, man. So how did you get started in this? It sounds like you started with your dad, maybe granddad. Like, how did you get into the ticket game? Um, it kind of started because um, when I was collecting autographed baseballs, I was really into milestones. And so, you know, and that's typical for most collectors that want to collect. Maybe they'll get a ball signed um, by a Hall of Famer and they'll put, um, if they were a 3,000 hit winner or hitter, or if they were a 500 home run hitter, that's typically your most popular inscription. So I always wanted something on top of that. So I would look for maybe home run tickets of that player, or if it's um, a more current player, it's obviously cheaper to get a debut ticket. Um, Someone like Mike Trout, their debut ticket has skyrocketed over the years. Um, I have his first hit ticket, which is doing pretty well. Um, it's much harder, of course, to get a lot of Hall of Famers debut tickets like Mickey Mantle and things like that. But um, they are scarce and they're out there. And when you find them, you'll see them in auction sites everywhere. So with that, uh, I was going to ask you about the digital ticketing platform coming out. Um, do you think that's something that's going to be sustainable with COVID and everything? Or do you think... Uh, the diehards that want the hard ticket are still going to be able to find that going forward. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a sad thing. I mean, people in my group are posting all the time that they're season ticket holders and their team is telling them there's no physical tickets coming up anymore. Um, but I will say there's some promise here and there. Some teams are offering um, season ticket holders the ability to get physical tickets um, just to pay extra for that. Um, so I think some teams will still have tickets you can pick up at the box office if that's and that may be the only way you get a physical ticket going forward huh. um which is interesting because uh recently psa just announced that they would start slabbing and grading um ticketmaster tickets which they wouldn't do before just because of the possibility of uh forgery but i think now they're realizing that a lot of those tickets are becoming harder to find um there's people who collect event tickets like wrestlemania and those were like Ticketmaster tickets so they're <laughs> wanting to get those slabbed so psa's now well, open that up, speaking, up to them you're speaking my language there I, i'm uh i'm in the hunt for a wrestlemania 3 ticket but uh that one's pretty hard to come by so that's uh oh yeah <laughs> that's right up my alley um with PSA, we talk a lot about grading cards on the show as well with uh, we've gotten to tickets. Do you resell it all or are you just mainly a collector? Um, I do a bit of both. I mean, 
sometimes I'll collect something for a while and then I'll end up selling it a few years later. I mean, I have a little one right now who's going on three years old and she's a handful. So when she came into the world, a lot of my collecting has kind of scaled back and I got a second one on the way later this year. So I'm, I'm just really picky now on what I want to purchase and keep. Well, congratulations, man. That that fatherhood, it changes your life and you get a little different perspective. I've gotten back into the card game with my kids. So they're what, almost 11 and 8, and it's fun because they enjoy the hunt. So I'm, I'm sure it'll get to that point with you too. Oh, yeah, I look forward to that. I mean, that's that's what happened with my dad. He, he used to collect a little bit back when he was young. He used to tell me stories about putting Mickey Mantle cards in the bicycle spokes and all those stories you hear. <laughs> um, but when I started collecting cards in the 90s, early 90s, it kind of got him back into it. And so we would get cards every now and then. We were living in England in the 90s, so... It was hard to find cards, but there would be a show that would pop up on the military bases, and we'd go check out some stuff. And he was a part of um, Desert Storm, so he did get some of those Tops Desert Storm cards back in the day and saved a few of them. And Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah, yeah and those, are, those are rough to find. He used to tell yeah. me stories about how people would use them for kindling out there so that's why they're so rare <laughs> burning hundreds of dollars now now i can tell patrick you're being modest because i'm looking at some of your cards you've got some pretty cool stuff man what would you say is your your like top three if you said you only get to keep three things for your personal collection what three items would that be well i'm not even sure what pictures you're looking at because people are posting stuff all the time and even the the group photo is not my my tickets necessarily, but uh, one of the cool ones I have is uh, Bill Mazeroski Game Seven Walk Off Home Run Ticket, nineteen sixty Pittsburgh Pirates. Yep, I got him to sign it and put the inscription on there, and that was pretty cool. Wow, I didn't even look that up. That's how nerdy baseball. I used to be probably a lot like I, I knew every guy when he got to 500 when he got to 3000 so that i i that's an awesome ticket man no i'm just gonna say it was it's one of those that a lot of people want and even in rough shape it can be kind of pricey but i knew once i could get a hold of one um that the maz doesn't cost that much for a signature so i had to get it sent off yeah you gotta do it right a lot of our uh, listeners might not be into i mean they're just probably starting to get into cards from a lot of the feedback we're getting uh, with tickets, do you think they're undervalued um, as a market in general? And then, secondly, if somebody's trying to start, I mean, where do you recommend? You know, you got the group over there on Facebook, Boogers, that we'll, we'll put the link and everything too. But how do you get started in, in tickets? Well, the great thing about ticket collecting is um, it's very niche. I mean, when you think of card collecting or autographs, people talk about players, teams, um, maybe they want milestones they're collecting. Tickets are similar, but they even go more granular. Um, there's people who collect tickets just because it was a sporting event that happened on their birthday or when their kid was born or when they got married or something. I've seen that. Some people like to collect tickets just because they have a picture of their favorite player on there. So that's really granular niche type collecting. Most popular is all milestones and debut tickets obviously some people go even deeper which i used to do is you pick some players that you really like and try to collect maybe every single hit or every single home run they've hit and um, there's a guy in our group who's almost got every hit that p rose ever hit a ticket from every one of those games um there's another guy who collects 
Dave Winfield homers, and he's got a ton of those. Um, there's a one guy who's got almost every game that Michael Jordan's played, um, and he's been featured in an article in a magazine. Um, it's just there's another guy too. He's working on a book. He's gonna publish pictures and stories about his entire Albert Pujols home run ticket collection once he retires after this coming season. So it's it's really great to see so many different ways you can do it. Um, you could pick a player and just stick with them. But, I mean, it's really up to you. The, there's just such a wide variety. I mean, there's great people in, our, in my group that can give great knowledge and on how to display tickets, what to collect, pricing. Um, and to kind of go back to your other question about are tickets undervalued, it's really hard to say because it's such a niche collection of an item that it's it's hard to say what someone will value it at. Obviously, a lot of the vintage stuff can be pricey because everyone values that. But when you talk about more recent items, like maybe a Bryce Harper debut ticket, might be worth more to someone than others and his career is kind of up and down and you're just kind of like, well, do I really want to invest in that or not? Um, but then you have someone like Mike Trout who it's now almost not affordable to buy his debut ticket at this point. So you really have so many different avenues to go and that's, what's great about it. Yeah. I mean, as far as uh finding prices or, or that kind of thing besides your group, how, how's a smart way to evaluate, you know, what, I know it's just kind of up in the air, and like you said, it's very niche, but say, you know, somebody's getting into this and they're trying to put a price on the ticket they just got back from PSA. Um, are grades that important with tickets, or, or how would you evaluate uh, cost to some extent of, of what you want to resell uh, a ticket for? Yeah, it's always tough, and it's it's definitely a popular question that comes up. Um, PSA is really the only one that's uh, grading and slabbing tickets at the moment, and you're not going to usually get anything unless maybe they run a deal for um, $15, $20, per ticket that you're going to send off. So when you're thinking about that pricing, you know, trying to figure that into when you resell, um, it can be difficult because if it's a ticket that's not even worth that, then you're spending more basically to get it slabbed or graded and then hold on to it in hopes of if it's a debut ticket, that player does well in the future. Um, someone like Mookie Betts, his debut ticket is starting to, to go up over the past year. Whereas before it was like a ten twenty dollar ticket. Um, but yeah, it's, it can, it can be tough to really decide. And people always post in the group asking, what is this worth? How much would someone pay? And that's really what it is. It's, it's kind of trying to find the right buyer for that player, that milestone or that team. So what gets you more excited? Like if you're like, I sold this ticket for, you know, X amount, $100, $300, or when you find a ticket you're looking for. I think the hunt is always the best. Um, <laughs> I was at some antique show, and it was an indoor thing, and I wasn't expecting to find any sports-related items or tickets anywhere, and I stumbled across a guy who had some album full of pictures and stuff, and in there was like a Mickey Mantle home run ticket for 20 bucks, <laughs> And it wasn't like a great home run ticket, but it was just cool to see that in the wild, like to actually just find it sitting somewhere. Um, and I always dream about how there's people um, in various cities, but I usually think about New York and back in the heyday of when baseball was just so huge up there. And all these people who probably have game tickets just sitting in their attics 
or their photo albums from games they attended that are just sitting there and being passed down. And for those to come out and see the light will just be great. Yeah, you brought up uh, Pete Rose earlier. I was telling my dad about this group. Um, I got some Jerry Sloan stuff, and I had some NBA Finals tickets I sent off to get graded uh, from back when the Bulls and the Jazz were playing. My dad just couldn't wrap his head around it for a little bit. He's like, you know, tickets. Then then I almost saw a light bulb go off in his head. And he runs to a journal that he had, and he was back in New York in the 70s, and he pulls out a, a ticket of a Pete Rose. It was his 39th uh, game hit, but it was also Johnny Bench's uh, number 300 home run against the Mets. And he'd saved it all these years, and then we, we sent it off and got a slap. But it was kind of cool to see that, like you talked about with your dad, to see my dad have that same kind of like, what are you talking about then? Oh, hold on, look what I got, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've seen two other people say. I'm looking for this game where I went to my dad back in the 70s or 80s, and we didn't keep our ticket, or I can't find it. And so they're hoping to find someone who has it. Um, I have a couple of tickets for back in the mid nineties when we were coming back to visit family from England. Um, I'm from Indiana originally. So we were in Indiana visiting family and we popped up to see a Cubs day game and a white Sox night game in the same day. And it was just great as a kid. So I kept those tickets. I found those after my dad passed and it was great to have. Yeah, do you uh, think about like concert tickets or movie tickets or anything like that? Or are you just pretty much focused on sports? Yeah. I mean, I started the group, mainly because I saw a huge need for people to talk about and um, collect sports tickets. But I have seen people come in who collect concert tickets. And um, it's kind of more on the rare side that I, I see anyone collecting those. But it does happen, and it always depends on the band or the artist. Um, you know, obviously, some things like Woodstock tickets are interesting. Um, and when I saw people asking about them, I... I went out and actually watched the documentary to to kind of get more background because um, I wasn't sure like what the tickets look like and who performed. And so I was looking that up and there's like a three day ticket and all these different things. So it was really interesting just to learn the background about the tickets I would see on eBay related to that concert and why it was so huge. But um, most people didn't keep those tickets. You know, they're out in the mud. we don't know where they ended up so no it's funny i mean d-roy he's right over it he's he's got some woodstock tickets he's in that wrestlemania stuff so i think a lot of us kind of are on that same trend so what what's your team like what i know you said you're kind of in the maryland area are you are you orioles guy are you a senators guy back to the original or who's your team well growing up because i was military brat moving around you could see the Braves on TBS no matter where you move. So I was a Braves fan growing up. 90s Braves team with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox, and Chipper Jones, and all them. Um, we ended up moving from England to Georgia, so then I stayed a Braves fan for a while. But um, I've been up in the D.C. area for the past eight years now, and now I'm a converted Nats fan. So I was really excited to actually have a team that I rooted for win the world series. <laughs> yeah. Soto is, uh, is way hot right now across the board. So that's a good, good guy to pick a good team. Yeah, guy. And speaking of him, um, related to tickets, his debut ticket is one of the hardest to find because the Nats pretty much stopped doing season tickets a while back. So the only one you're going to find out there is like a box office ticket you would get if you walked up to the booth. So, 
when you see one show up on eBay, it's usually a few hundred bucks because it's just so hard to find. So like we're kind of heavy into the cards where we do a lot on just regular eBay, just random stuff we find for thrift stores. And I mean, COVID really kind of pushed us more towards the sports theme just because it was easier to get and, and tickets. But Derek, tell them what you did with your Juan Soto card so you can kind of know a little bit what you're doing with cards. Um, well, I had one Soto card that got mislabeled at, at PSA apparently, but it was a uh, it was a uh, tops um, it was tops rookie, but it was the update series. They marked it as a refractor, and it turns out it wasn't. But uh, I put it up for sale before I knew that it wasn't, and I had me a bid war that you wouldn't believe. Uh, <laughs> turns out I still sold it for for a good profit, and uh, and I mean cards right now are just going crazy, right? So. That's why we're kind of thinking about tickets. Is I, I'm thinking they're they're undervalued a bit. Um, they are definitely niche, but I think it's one of those things that uh, we talk about, like the, the Jazz Finals around here. There was only 19,000 tickets printed, and of those, how many survived? So if somebody's trying to get all the Jordan tickets, or you know, like you're saying with the with the Soto, I mean, there's there's just such a limited amount. That I'm thinking the market value is really just. I think it's a bubble that's about ready to burst, personally, but. Um, now there's some cool things out there, and if you can pair the card with the ticket, you know, a rookie card with a debut ticket, I just think there's a lot of uh, a lot of places for this hobby to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just recently sold an Acuna debut for a hundred bucks, and I probably undervalued it, but um, I still have a first homer ticket, and the Braves stopped doing season tickets recently as well. So luckily, you know, he had a debut ticket, although. He was in Cincinnati, I believe, for his debut, so in his first homer. So they were still doing tickets. I think they might still be. But um yeah, it's just getting harder, I'm telling you. And there's more new stars coming up, Tatis and everybody that, you know, wanna wanna collect them, but from a ticket side it just gets really hard. So what I really see is that everybody's switching more to vintage. Um, you learn the history of the game, you learn more about Hall of Famers then you'll change your collection style up and you'll want to go back and get that kind of stuff. And those tickets are, you know, always going to be valuable and hard to find. Yeah, even with that, there's got to be, I have this uh, picture in my head that there's a magical store somewhere in the Midwest. It's kind of like a thrift or uh, antique store that they don't know what they have. And there's like a, uh, a treasure case somewhere that's full of like, uh, you know, early flair uh, basketball with Michael Jordan rookie cards in it. Then they got the old uh, baseball cards out underneath the cellar that no one's looked at since, you know, the 1950s. <laughs> and then they just happen to have their personal journal with all these tickets. And that's that's my dream is to find this place when they're, they're ready to retire and just ready to sell off stuff. But maybe that's just me and my fantasies. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I dream about that all the time. Like I was saying earlier, I still imagine that there's so many people who have stuff in their attic. They just... And and what amazes me is there's all these TV shows now about people finding stuff in their attic that's worth so much money. I'm surprised not everyone's just ransacking their attics or going to their grandparents and saying, hey, what do you got in there? Because Antique Roadshow said this is worth this. You know what I mean? So I, I, I believe you, too, and I'm, I'm with you because I think there's tons of tickets and cards just sitting in attics out there that are, you know, you hear stories popping up about tobacco cards coming out the woodwork. So it's it's fun to see. But, man going to auction just going nuts there you, there you go listeners that's patrick not just us now it's another person we talk about this all the time i mean we keep getting listeners all the time and if you go out and do it and go see your grandparents and you know it's not necessarily to you know it's go bond with them i mean now you get to talk about things that 
I wish I would have done more with my grandpa because he was in the service in the 40s and he loved the Giants and, and all of these things. And I think it just, like you said, it creates that nostalgic relationship. But you can remember things being at a ball game in, you know, in 1989. Well, and that's one of the things, too. Like, you travel around. Like you're saying, you're, you're kind of a military brat. But the one thing that you do is when you go to a new city, at least uh, a lot of us do, is, is you go and you check out a local game regardless if you're a fan or not. And a lot of us just keep that ticket for almost like a free souvenir. Or you go to concerts or whatever, and you just kind of put them out on the mantle or, or in a journal or out in your cigar box or whatever. Uh, I, I have to think that up in some attics, there's a lot of grandpas that, you know, they saw Babe Ruth bat, and they kept the ticket. Or they went and they saw, you know, Hank, Hank Aaron or, or whoever, and they just put the ticket away. And, you know, they don't know there's a value associated with it. And maybe the memory is worth more than the value, but... There's just got to be a treasure trove out there somewhere, and, and uh, I need to find it. That's that's point of my story, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm always finding different things that make me want to get a certain ticket. Um, like, for instance, one thing I got from my dad when he passed was a uh, – it's a black-and-white photo of um, Johnny Sane and Warren, Span, Warren Spahn, and it has this inscription, um, the saying of um, – oh, it's – it's, it's going for me now. Spawn Insane, pray for rain. So when Spawn Insane were pitching, you knew you wanted it to rain so they could cancel the game. <laughs> so a ticket I found was supposedly the game, was supposedly um, after the game where a reporter reportedly came up with that phrase. <laughs> so I thought that was just so cool to have. Yeah, that would be cool. And then, like I said, that's the crazy thing with technology now. Like, you can look up every single game, like, and see exactly what, you know, August 17th, 1974, Pete Rose hit hit number 3,317. So, I don't know. It's really cool now because as a kid, like, and I think you're kind of the same way. I only had, like, a couple books, and that's how I learned everything. But now you, you're seconds away from being verified saying you're not making it up. Yeah, exactly. And all that information becomes vital because um, there's there's some I'll give you some good tips for when you're searching for tickets. I mean, you could go on eBay and say, I want um, maybe Mickey Mantle's 500th home run or something. And you search that you might find some you might get some hits. But even more important is there's people out there who don't even know what they have and they'll post tickets on online. You could just search for the date or maybe the team for that year. And you might come up with someone's got maybe a group of Yankee tickets from the sixties or something. And they don't even, they didn't look up the dates and you never know. There could be some mantle homers in there. There could be something worth a lot of money, or it could just be what you're looking for is sitting there. You could buy the lot and this person didn't know what they had. So it's really important that you research not just milestones, but the actual date and more modern games when you were talking about earlier attendance, that becomes a big factor. Like, for instance, I have a, a Miguel Cabrera debut, and with the Marlins, that debut game, there was under 10,000 people there. So it's it can be a harder ticket to really find. That's awesome. Those are great tips. Like you said, sometimes people don't know what they have. They just put, here's a lot of tickets, and, and, and buy what you can. So. Yeah, 1970 season ticket or whatever. All kinds oh. of, of stuff like Harper home run tickets, Miggy home run tickets, Beltre home run tickets. I was trying to get them all, but 
it just becomes way too much. So <laughs> the only the only one I really stayed with was um, Halliday, Roy Halliday uh, win tickets. He had just over 200 wins in his career, um, Hall of Famer, obviously. And um, the problem with that collection is that Blue Blue Jays tickets are very hard to get, especially um, older tickets. So I'm kind of stuck in the wind on that one. Well, half the fun, like you're saying, is the search. And uh, once you find it, it's off to the new treasure. I got I got a question for you though. Since you are the Booger King, you are the creator. You're the you're the ticket master before the ticket master existed. What is your Mount Rushmore of tickets? If you had five tickets that. Not necessarily that's your favorite, but if anyone out there is looking, these are the five hallmarks of, of tickets. What what would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Um, well, first of all, I'll say it's a complete team effort. I, I have an admin team of people that have all kinds of knowledge. I am in no way a master myself. One <laughs> of our admin team had a, he had a ticket from every single World Series game, and then he auctioned it off. Like It's just incredible the amount of knowledge our admin team and others have in the group. Um, but... I would say if I have to pick a Mount Rushmore, I would have to go off of tickets that I've actually seen up for sale because you could come up with all kinds of stuff and never have seen a ticket for it. But like Roger Maris, when he, his 61 home run year, that's still a really popular ticket to have, home run number 61. It's not relatively too expensive that I've seen, but um, some people try to collect that home run chase and it's hard to get all those tickets. I've seen uh, Jackie Robinson debut is another really good one. Also, um, the Babes Called Shot is another really popular one. I would say um, I know there's some other ones. I'm just got on the tip of my tongue. Oh, those, those are those are good ones. That's a that's a star. That's a great great. Uh, I'm just right down here, so I know what I need to go after. <laughs> that, was, that was my uh, way of uh, being secretive about it. <laughs> Oh, well, you got to put out second and third mortgages to get some of those. <laughs> but Derek, That's all right. I know Adam. You, yeah. Der, Derek's loaded. He, he just sells wrestling stuff like crazy. So <laughs> uh, he sells to Hulk Hogan. So I can't even get WrestleMania three tickets. So, you know, he's a dirty liar, but uh, I'll take a compliment. <laughs> well, Patrick, we appreciate you coming on. Like I said, you're obviously knowledgeable. I appreciate the way you've started. It's really cool. And I'm sure you've kind of seen it. You kind of get your own little community. It's been the same way for the podcast. We started two years ago, and now we just have more and more people. Um, I mean, my I, I do taxes, and that's kind of how it whole started is Derek sold stuff on eBay. And I said, hey, what we need to do is we need to figure out how we can go to football and basketball games but not have to pay any taxes. So now I make sure we legally do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, as far as uh... – I mean, any any words of wisdom or advice for for our, a lot of our people are resellers, but we do have a lot of collectors, like we said. I mean, uh, we'll send them over to your social media uh, at Boogers. Do you have any other social media or words of advice for for our listeners? Um, I just have the Facebook group. We're up over twenty six hundred members now and constantly growing, so it's it's been great. Um, yeah, just kind of piggybacking off what I said before um, when you're researching, you know, research dates or teams and not necessarily a specific milestone if that's what you're looking for or if you're looking for a player's debut date um don't just say paul goldschmidt debut ticket you know do some research find out what the date was what where the game was played you could maybe pick up a ticket book for that whole team for the season for the price of a debut ticket you never know but the the important thing is just to collect what you want don't look to resell 
it's really hard to resell um, in such a niche market. Obviously, the more popular things like mantle homers and you know Jackie Robinson tickets are easier to sell. But um, collect what you think is fun, whether it's a memory you had or a favorite player or team or your team won the World Series, get those tickets because you'll, you'll treasure them and you'll, you'll have those memories to stand by. Well, that's, that's awesome. Great advice. Thanks for jumping on, Patrick. We appreciate what you do. Um, I'm really grateful for your father. Uh, like I says, we don't, I don't know, I don't know if we recognize our military people enough, but appreciate his service and his willingness to uh, do what he did for our country and uh, raise a, you know, a son that says, hey, tickets are cool because, you know, we like it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, it's it's been great. I appreciate you bringing me on. Yeah, thanks, man. We appreciate it. So we always end the show. Like I so said, we're going to end it with you. Um, we call it death piles and taxes. Do you know what the term death piles mean? No. So death piles is just like what you're talking about. When when people resell stuff, they just kind of put it in a pile. They like to go for the hunt. But if you're not listing stuff and buy and selling it, it's basically your death pile. I got you. So that's where it is. It's kind of that play on death piles and taxes because no matter what, we always say you got to pay taxes. So those are the two things, Patrick. Let's see if you can do it. So the two things in life that are for certain, Patrick, are what? Death piles and taxes. There you go. go. He, he knows, man. No problem. Thank you.
Those ocean eyes, those ocean.